our Father, and yet our friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. It is so good to see you. Well, almost see you. It's very dark. I just thank you for laughing. I now know there are people out there. Um, but it is so good to be with you. You know, this, this morning I had an awesome opportunity, and it's, it's one that sometimes we take for granted as parents. But um, my daughter, Anya, came downstairs this morning, and I was sitting in my, my usual chair. Do any of you have a usual chair that you sit in in the morning? Yeah, a few, a few of us. And I was sitting in my usual chair, and, and I had just been reading the Word and praying, and, and I was just reclining. And she came down, and she, she sat next to me. And we reclined together. And it was just in this reclining together. And we, we, we stayed there for a while. She happens to really love snuggling. And so we, we snuggled for a, a good almost 10 minutes. And I didn't want to let go of her. And I, I'm not sure if she wanted to let go of me or was just smothered by me. But I just had this moment where it was like realizing that presence is so much more important than presence that the greatest thing that we can give our children, our grandchildren, the greatest thing that we can give each other, the greatest thing that we can give to humanity is presence. I mean being there. You know, during COVID, we didn't, we didn't have community. We didn't have gatherings. We had these like bubble parties. And we had these like disconnected times of being uh, on our own and isolated and quarantine and all of these things that we thought were just in the movies were our reality. And we're kind of past COVID, but not really. Now we have RSV and we have other viruses to be uh, you know, afraid of. And it just seems like, are we ever going to connect again? Are we ever going to have real community again? And you know, for hundreds of years, actually for thousands of years, God himself was far off. God himself spoke to the people through different individuals throughout history, but God himself was far off. And then in the birth of Jesus, something amazing happens. God who is far off comes close to be with us, to be present with us. The greatest gift that Jesus gave us was presence, his presence to be with us, to live among us. Matthew chapter one, verse 18 and 19. We're gonna read from Matthew and Luke tonight. We read about the birth of Jesus Christ. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. I don't know if you knew that. You go to the mall and it may not be clear. Uh, we drive around like crazy for months and months. We buy all these gifts. We see Amazon drivers all over the place, like zipping back and forth. It's unbelievable, all that's happening. Like, Amazon drivers are actually elves, I'm convinced. They will get there no matter what. And, but it is Jesus' birthday, the day that Jesus was born. Now we read, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, that means engaged, when Mary had been engaged to Joseph, now during those times, it wasn't, an engagement wasn't just a man or a woman asking someone else to marry them, and then they were engaged. 
It was actually legally binding. It was the law. You signed, not your life away, that's a bad way to say it. That's what came to me, but you sign this engagement and you are legally bound to future marriage. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, now we're gonna just leave it there, there's kids in the room, but she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That's why Joseph was, would be required to divorce is because they were legally bound. You see, being pregnant and not being fully married at that time was a little bit shameful. Mary and Joseph were asked to do something very costly. You see, God's gifts are free, but they're also very costly. And Mary and Joseph were asked to do something impossible. And something impossible happened in Mary. It says, the Holy Spirit came over Mary and she was impregnated with Jesus. The Son of God was placed in her womb and the calling upon her life and Joseph's life was to raise this child, not just any child, but the Christ child, the Messiah. They were called to raise the Messiah and then one day he would die for humanity. Like being an Amazon driver, we don't always know the package we're carrying. We don't always know the cost of the package that we're carrying. We're just told to carry it. And Mary and Joseph, I can only imagine what they were going through, that yes, there was going to be joy in their house. Yes, they were going to have the Messiah born in their home, but the pressure, the pressure of the pregnancy, the pressure of raising the Messiah and hoping he didn't die, like just randomly, the pressure of raising the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary was willing to carry this, but Joseph wasn't so sure. <laughs> we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. As Joseph considered these things, he's considering the fact that his wife is impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I mean, his wife has a baby inside of her. It didn't come from him. They're only engaged. So you can imagine that Joseph was pondering these things, right? I'd be pondering these things. I'd be asking Mary a few questions. I'd be wondering what's going on here. He considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, <laughs> Joseph, remember who you are. Joseph, remember that you are the son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Yeshua. God will save. For he will save his people from their sins. God is saying, Joseph, I know that you want to escape this reality. I know you want to escape this experience. I know you want to run. I know you want to take care of it on your own. I, I, know, I know, Joseph, what you're thinking, but don't run. 
I know the calling is costly, but don't run. I know it might cost you your reputation. I know it might cost you your pride. I know people will look at you funny. I, I know, Joseph, but don't leave it. Because the best place to be is in the calling of God upon your life. The best place to be is in God's presence. You see, God requires just one thing, just one thing from us, presence, space for his presence. God requires that we would take moments in our life to create space for him to come. And if we don't make space, God's won't come. You know, I went into my closet and I, I grabbed this shirt that I have underneath my suit jacket. I, I haven't worn it in a year. It's a really nice shirt. I just want to show you for a moment how nice this shirt is. I carried it here. I didn't put it on until I got here because I wanted it in a pristine shape for all of you because you're all dressed so nice and I didn't want to look funny. I didn't want to have a wrinkled shirt, so I carried it here on a hanger, and then I put it on actually at the church. Now, I came dressed. Don't get me wrong. I came dressed in other clothes, and then I put this shirt on. Now, I don't know if you can tell, but now it's been a year, and I mean, I've been trying to exercise, but can you see the strain on these buttons? I mean, can you? They're hanging on for dear life. Like, they're being pulled and stretched. And this shirt is being pushed to its limit right now. I haven't even eaten dinner yet. And already this shirt is ready to pop. And then I thought about it. I thought, you know, I'll use that for my message because there's something missing in this shirt. Space. Space is missing in this shirt. I can't fit any more in here because I'm all tied up in this shirt. And the same goes for our spiritual life. If we don't make space, God won't come. The Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks. And the Bible says that whoever opens the door, he'll come in and he'll dine with you. He'll sit with you. He'll enjoy a meal with you. He will dwell in you. He will live in you. God with us becomes God in us when we open the door. But sometimes we just don't have space for God. And we need to make space. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says, While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was no space for Jesus to be born in the inn. I'm sure he would have, Mary and Joseph would have loved for him to be born in the inn. It was more comfortable, it was warm, it was clean. But no, there was no space for Jesus to be born at the inn. And so Jesus would be born in a barn. Now, I live on a farm. So I know that barns, I mean, my wife's barn is super clean. Like, we have a very clean barn. Don't get me wrong, honey. I know that you're going to hear this in a little bit. Our barn are super clean. But when animals eat, I don't know if you know this about farm animals, 
But when animals eat, they do not sit down at the table and put the napkin around their neck and take out the fork and knife. Did you know this? Because they don't have thumbs. They don't have thumbs. They got hoofs, right? Did you guys know this stuff? Okay. So when they eat, you put the food in front of them and they just go to town. I mean, there's food flying everywhere. There's grain flying everywhere. It's messy. It's not a place for a baby. It's not a place for Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings to be born. But Jesus will come to any place that has space. I don't know if you know this, but kids, I want to talk to you for a moment. Kids, do you know that Jesus, God, will come to be with you when you ask him to. You might not feel it. You might not always know it. But this is the thing about the story of Jesus being born in a barn. He will go anywhere, kids, to be born. And if you invite him, if you just say to him, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Do you know what? He will. And each day, do you know what? When you say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you today. You know what? He'll come and be with you. Any place that will make space for Jesus, he will come. Now, there was a king, King Herod, and he didn't like that a king was being born. We read this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. King Herod was afraid that he was going to be replaced as king. King Herod was afraid that this, this Jesus was going to rise up among the Jews and there would be another Maccabean revolt and the Jewish people were going to rise up and they were going to march on Herod and take his throne. Herod was afraid of losing his throne, losing his crown. A king had been born and it, it's not me or my son. Who is this king? See, Herod was quite concerned that Jesus was coming for his throne. But Herod was mistaken because Jesus wasn't coming for his throne. Jesus wasn't coming for a throne in a palace. Jesus was coming for a throne in our hearts. Jesus didn't care about Herod's throne because Jesus was going to live inside of humanity. That anyone that calls on the name of Jesus, anyone that puts their faith in Jesus would make space inside of themselves and Jesus would come to rule and reign. You see, we are all born on a throne. We sit on a throne in our hearts and we rule over our thoughts our emotions, our intentions, our motives, our emotions. And we sit on this throne and we rule and we reign. 
But there comes a time in our life where we need to make space for a new king. A new king that's going to come and sit with us and sit in us and rule and reign. Now, I I would like to do something um, a little bit different. And I need a, a child to help me out with this. Now, I have one rule, and that is that you have played the game of musical chairs. And I just need one. Is there one child here that will come and play musical chairs with me? Yeah? Yeah, come on. Awesome. Thank you. I'm just going to need this. And what's your name? Taylor. Taylor. Everyone give Taylor a round of applause. Okay, come up here on the stage. And so we're going to play musical chairs. Okay, so let's imagine there was like 50 people that were already in this game. And they've all lost. It's just me and you. And there's one chair. Okay? So they're going to play the music. And you know what happens when the music stops, right? It's me versus you. All right, ready? Let's do this. All right. All right, go ahead. Let's play the music. Okay. All right, you did it. Let's play one more time. All right? Did you get injured? No? Okay. That was pretty quick. Okay, this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it a little bit, okay? So you're Taylor, but I'm not Joel anymore. I'm Jesus. Okay? All right, let's play again. Let's play the music again. did it. You see, the lesson is, if you want to sit on the throne of your life, Jesus will always let you sit on that throne. But it's when we actually lose Taylor and everyone, it's when Taylor loses that she gains. Let's give Taylor a round of applause. You see, what happens in our life is that we're playing this game of musical chairs. And we're born in a way that we want to rule and we want to reign and we want to sit on that throne. But there comes a moment in our life where we actually intentionally lose and allow Jesus to sit. And Herod was afraid of this because he thought Jesus was coming for his throne. When Jesus sits on the throne of my heart, he comes as a king, a priest, and a savior.
I'll invite the worship team to come up. When the wise men come to Jesus, they bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bring Jesus gold because he would be the king. They bring him frankincense because he would be the priest. They bring him myrrh because he would be the ultimate sacrifice, the savior of the world. And as these wise men come to Jesus and they they give Jesus these gifts, they in turn receive a gift. They receive Jesus as king. They receive Jesus as priest. They receive Jesus as their savior. And so what happens is a gift exchange. And Jesus looks at us and he, he's asking for the same. Will you come to him with your life, with your throne, with your gifts, with your talents, and will you exchange them for him and his presence?